Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night, depending on where you are, what time you are listening to this. My name is Winston, and this is another episode of the Revenue Alignment Podcast. I am your host, and this week I want to talk about why marketers should focus on business outcomes and not marketing metrics to prove their value. So I made a post a few weeks ago about B2B tech companies not leveraging LinkedIn because it's not as easy to be effective on LinkedIn as it is on on other platforms. Now, someone made a comment saying, and this is a direct quote, I have found with a few small marketing agencies is that they do not take the time to really understand a client's product or service and ICP, which is Ideal Client Profile, in order to develop a strategy to create impact and and get better results. Rather, they push out basic generic content that I can do myself. What are some things you need to look for when searching for a small marketing firm? So the person was directing this question uh, to me uh, via the, the comment section. Now, I'm not even going to address the whole notion of agencies not taking time to understand their clients' business. I mean, that's, that's, that's another exhaustive discussion for another day. But anyway, so I responded saying that it depends on your goal, but here are a few things to look for. One of the first things I mentioned is that they come into the first meeting asking a lot of questions about the business and its customers rather than pitching. Because if they come into that first conversation with a mindset, with a curious mindset to find out as much as possible about the business, then you know that they, first of all, they genuinely want to help and care about the customer's needs or the client's needs. And it's not just about collecting a paycheck. And secondly, you can tell that they're the type of people who customize their solution based on each individual client's needs. The second thing is they have a system for tracking their marketing execution. So for me, if they don't measure if what they're doing is actually working, then they're guessing and that's a huge red flag for me. The third thing is they have a process for how they deliver results. So if they don't have a process, it means they're winging it. And you know that's another huge red flag for me. The fourth thing that I mentioned is if they do social media management and all the accounts they manage look the exact same um, in terms of the creative, you know, they have a one-size-fits-all approach template um, and don't really tailor their approach for, for each client in terms of the copy and the creative, which I see a lot of in Jamaica, unfortunately. And the fifth thing I mentioned to the person is that They focus on tangible business results beyond just brand awareness, reach, visibility, impressions, engagements, followers, and and so on. Uh, You know, because anyone who comes to you saying that this is what they use as a measure of success is a big no-no for me. It's a big red flag because it means that they're, they're executing marketing either not measuring business outcomes, not focusing on business outcomes, not thinking about what value in terms of that, that ROI can I produce for, for my client that makes the marketing investment worth the spend. Uh, they're not thinking along those lines. And most often than not, 
the reason why marketers, especially agencies, tend to focus on these metrics is because they they either don't know how to actually deliver bottom line business outcomes or it's easier for them to use these very abstract vague metrics because it's hard to quantify um how these specific types of metrics you know tie to 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 bottom line business outcomes because they can say well we're growing your followers and your engagement so you know that means marketing is working now for this episode let's focus on that last point around tangible business outcomes marketers often complain that ceos don't get marketing but when i asked them what metrics are you using to track the effectiveness of your marketing i usually get some of the responses that i mentioned just now around impressions brand awareness and so on and uh, this is for the marketers now and the reason ceos never get or value marketing is because we tend to focus on marketing metrics rather than business outcomes that CEOs and other C-suite leaders actually care about. So if you really want to prove the value of marketing, here's what you should focus on instead. Number one, revenue. And when I say revenue, I don't mean simply you know, this revenue came from marketing generated leads or marketing source pipeline or marketing source revenue. I mean to go deeper than just that. You know, not just focusing on bottom of funnel conversion, but conversion throughout the entire funnel. So this means looking at how many qualified leads did marketing generate top of funnel. How impactful was marketing in converting those qualified leads to sales opportunities and then from sales opportunities to deals one and how effective is marketing at improving those conversions at each stage of the sales process or funnel over time. Number two, market share. Now, this is calculated by the total number of customers the company has divided by the total addressable market in a region or territory. So let's say the total addressable market is 100,000 potential customers that fall within your ideal client profile or ICP. And your company has 10,000 of those customers. It means your market share is 10,000 divided by 100,000 times 100 because we want to get the percentage, which means your market share is 10%. So the goal for marketing is to help increase customer acquisition or the customer base of the company to increase market share over time. The third thing to look for is market cap or market capitalization. And this is the total dollar value of a company's outstanding shares of stock. So we're talking about earnings per share or the value of each share within a company times the amount of shares that were bought by either private investors or when the company went public, um, you know, in an in a IPO. So therefore, this is, and let me use some numbers. So let's say the per share value is $1.22. And the company sold out 1,000 shares. That means that the market cap in this instance would be $1,220 in total. Now, how you increase market cap is by increasing brand perception. 
Now, I want every marketer to pay attention here, especially those that tend to use brand as an argument for effective marketing. This is what you can now use as the basis or your argument for why your company should invest more in brand. It's not enough to say we should invest in brand because it helps us stand out and it builds affinity with our customers. To most CEOs, that means absolutely zero, zilch, nothing whatsoever. However, if you say we should build brand because it increases our brand perception, which then increases the brand's value in the market, which increases our market cap as our per share value starts to increase. Therefore, the company can demand more for the shares of the company or per share price. These are the type of things you need to talk about and you need to think about in terms of how can marketing metrics or marketing activities, initiatives, campaigns, whatever term you want to use, actually ties to metrics that people at the C-suite level actually care about. And this one that I just mentioned in terms of market cap is something, you know, one of the main ways how you can actually quantify brand, um, especially to CFOs and, and people at the board level. The fourth thing is sales cycle. And what I mean by that is reducing the average time it takes to close a deal. So ask yourself, is my marketing reducing the time it takes for leads to convert from one stage of the funnel to the next? If the answer to that question is no, then you should be looking into this. If you can measure the average sales cycle for the last 12 months, and, well, I guess I should mention this. This is what I'm actually going through right now in terms of how how can you measure the sales cycle and, and marketing's impact on it. So basically what you do is you look at what the average sales cycle is for the last 12 months, and then... You look on what the next 12 months should be or would be. You know, you measure it in terms of marketing. So you look at the previous 12 months. So let's say we're, we're ending 2021. What you would do now is you would look on what is the average sales cycle for most of the deals in 2021. Then you put together your marketing strategy for 2022 and you execute it. Now, at the end of 2022, what you're going to now do is compare the average sales cycle for 2021 versus 2022. And therefore, you'll be able to measure and quantify that your, your marketing um, or you know, your execution, your marketing execution results in a reduction in the time it typically takes to close deals. Therefore, sales reps are able to close more deals within a 12-month time frame, which means more revenue and more profits as customer acquisition time and costs are reduced. So again, when you're looking at marketing, you should basically be looking on how does it affect either top-line revenue or bottom-line profits. The fifth thing you can look on is brand authority. And this is basically... You know, how can you increase marketing's perception of the brand so that more people want to buy from the brand, more people want to do business with the brand because it's about the brand and not just the product or service the company is offering. So in other words, more people want to be associated with the brand. This means attracting top talent and reducing hiring times and costs. 
This means the company can charge a high price or premium compared to the rest of the market because of that perceived authority built by marketing, which then increases revenues and profits. This means your brand is immediately recognizable when your sales team walks into a meeting with a cold prospect they have, um, they, they've never had a sales conversation with, and rather than access to decision makers being blocked, your sales reps are welcomed and you have champions within the company that not only give you access, but advocate for your services or products on your behalf. And I can definitely attest to this one because I've seen it played out when I used to do marketing and sales within a B2B tech company. So I know for a fact that this one is definitely true. Just to be clear, brand authority goes beyond brand affinity. And let me let me explain for a moment what I mean by that. So I follow a handful of marketing, um, I guess you could call it thought leaders, experts within the, the space. So I have brand affinity for Neil Patel's brand. I also have brand affinity for Chris Walker's brand at Refine Labs. I have brand affinity for Andre's and Vlad's brand at Full Funnel. And also Benji Hyman's brand at Grow and Convert. And also Shiv's brand at um, How to Sass, Right? So I have brand affinity for all these different marketing brands. Now, here's the difference between affinity and authority. If I had to choose one to execute marketing for me, who would it be? The answer to that question is brand authority. Because I can have brand affinity. I can love several brands, but the one who I actually decide to purchase on or purchase from, I should say, is the one that has the most brand authority in my mind at least based on how i perceive each individual brand and this is what separates your audience or customers loving your brand from your customers who choose the brand they want to do business with and that's brand authority ladies and gentlemen number six is customer retention and lifetime value and you want to ask yourself do customers want to stay with the company because of how good of a job marketing has done reinforcing that brand authority and the company fulfilling the brand promise so this means marketing developing a customer retention program with customer success to ensure consistency and congruency across the entire customer experience not just when they buy from you but even post-purchase in terms of the onboarding and that customer support and service uh, marketing i believe should definitely play a role in that and that's another way how you can quantify the value of marketing within an organization and the final one is reducing your cac or customer acquisition cost now when your customer acquisition costs are reduced this means that you need less sales reps to do outbound, leads come inbound without you having to spend more on advertising to get them. Sales cycles are reduced, so therefore it takes less time and resources on this part of sales reps to close a deal so they can use the time more efficiently and effectively to improve and focus on new deals to close. And of course, everything that I just mentioned is how you would focus on reducing cap because the idea is how can we generate 
or drive as much customer acquisition or customers or increase our customer base? How can we do that on, on, a, on the greatest scale possible with the least amount of resources and time needing to be spent by the company? Now, guys, don't get it twisted. I know there's a lot of people who wants to argue about CEOs not getting marketing and that, you know, they want to build brand and want to build a community and they want to do this and they want to start a podcast and they want to um, start a YouTube channel and they want to do virtual events and on and on and on. But the reality of it is that marketing only makes sense if it's helping the company do one of two things. And I would say even better if you can do both of them. Marketing only makes sense if it helps the company save money or it helps the company make money. Execs at the C-suite level, especially CEOs, don't care about anything else. And until you're able to make that mindset shift, you'll continuously experience friction and pushback and what value does marketing really serve within the company? Because you can report on marketing metrics, or should I say you can continue to report on marketing metrics, but how I see it is marketing metrics should be used as an indication if you're on the right track with your marketing and not as the primary metric for your marketing being effective and marketing budget being put to good use. So if you post something and it gets a lot of engagement, that's not a reason to celebrate and say you're doing marketing right. That's just an indication that you're on the right path and therefore you should continue doing what you're doing and if possible, scale it to increase um, its effectiveness and the likelihood of increasing the desired outcome you're looking for, which should be one of the seven points that I just mentioned. Um, I would say primarily it should be revenue. Because that's that's one of the the most direct ones that most C-suite level um, execs really care about. So when you focus on business outcomes and financial metrics, how you perceive marketing's role within the company changes, and therefore how you communicate at a C-suite level changes, and uh, that, ladies and gentlemen, is how you'll finally get the respect that marketing deserves. Now, you can let me know if it makes sense. You know, feel free to comment. Feel free to reach out. If it makes sense, feel free to share it. So with that said, this has been another episode of the Revenue Alignment Podcast. Next week, we have another amazing guest where we'll talk about how marketers can prove their value by becoming revenue responsible. Pretty exciting stuff, guys. Definitely can't wait to share that episode with you guys. So until next week, take care. And that is a wrap. This has been the Revenue Alignment Podcast. Join us next week where we have more amazing content to help you demonstrate, communicate, and prove your value at the C-suite level. I'm Winston, your host, and this is a wrap.